This is three and five on SLC Management Podcast. Hi, everybody. Thanks for dialing in to this next version of three and five. I'm Steve Peacher, president of SLC Management. And today I'm really pleased to be joined by Anna Murray, who was the head of ESG at Bintal Green Oak, our realist, global real estate subsidiary, uh, but is now global head of ESG for SLC Management. Anna, thanks so much for taking the time today. Thanks so much for having me here, Steve. Anna, you know, first let's talk about commercial real estate, which is obviously the focus at Bento Greeno. When you look at what can be done within by managers of commercial real estate, what are some of the best practices that you see out in the marketplace in terms of being environmentally sensitive and, and responsible as people buy, develop, and manage commercial real estate? Well, look, I'm going to take a, a bit of a, a different approach to answering that question because I know the temptation is to go on about specific programs and details about ESG initiatives. But for me, I, I think best practices really means going back to basics. And that includes collaborating with diverse stakeholders, integration across the broader business, and commitment to resourcing a strategy. So let me just unpack those three a little bit. I think there's enormous power behind collaborative engagement. So where varied stakeholders, perspectives and objectives are taken into consideration. So that means sort of understanding goals across the board, across the business, investors, clients, third parties, et cetera. And then of course, hiring diverse teams to enable execution on the strategy. The second part is around business integration. So that means ensuring that ESG teams are not operating in a silo, but rather that ESG is integrated throughout the investment lifecycle and across the business. And that allows for a more holistic and scalable approach. It also reinforces the fact that ESG risks are business risks. We don't want ESG risk to be considered separate and discrete from the investment process, rather another element for consideration. And lastly, it's about backing strategy with resources, right? So best practices include moving beyond ESG platitudes to actually showcasing substantive action. And that certainly requires a strong team that's well-resourced for key initiatives. If we step back, take a step back from commercial real estate and think about ESG more broadly from an investment management standpoint, there's been so much discussion over the last couple of years. Where do you see the big opportunities for investment managers to move their ESG initiatives forward? 2020, as we know, was a turning point in the sustainable investing world. We saw myriad climate events, the pandemic, global social unrest, and groundbreaking policy change. So now more than ever, there's an opportunity for alignment, disclosure, and transparency. So on the alignment side of things, we really are hoping to see more consolidation around standard setting. So for example, in the investment industry, we still have a ways to go in terms of how best to align industry's approach on climate risk. So specifically around language, metrics, resiliency benchmarks. And that would include further clarity around the more technical elements of evaluating climate risk and assessing overall portfolio risk. For disclosures, I think there's a huge opportunity around making disclosures more consumable. So whether you're working with investment teams or operations teams, there's an opportunity for ESG insights to be delivered in a manner that's more consistent and, and relevant to varied business units. And this will ultimately enable better understanding of materiality, risk, opportunity. Disclosure matters, and it's no longer enough to simply just capture ESG data. There's huge demand for increased 
granularity on the how of ESG integration and results. And then lastly, increased transparency, right? So put it bluntly, we're in the age of greenwashing and as investors become increasingly more aware, regulatory requirements more defined and markets more sophisticated around ESG, there's an enormous opportunity for increased transparency. There's still a lot of surface level commentary about ESG commitments and actions, but I think we're shifting to a time in history where words need to be backed by clear action and results. Now, juxtaposed to that, it's incredibly motivating and inspiring to finally see proper channels and attention being paid to these impressive efforts and progress that we're making. While the temptation is often there to be a critic, I'm forever an optimist and believe that slow and steady progress is being made. So I think the opportunity to transparently communicate our respective ESG journeys is exciting. Thanks, Anna. You know, there's so much discussion about ESG today and firms are figuring out what they're going to do, but let's look forward. Let's look five years, seven years forward. From that perspective, how, how do you think we're going to be talking about ESG in that time frame? What do you think investment firms are going to be doing as it relates to ESG five years from now, seven years from now? To answer the question, I think beyond the bold commitments that we're starting to see in market, I think the focus is going to be on being credible. Long gone are those days of hollow lip service. Instead, ESG, as we know, has become table stakes for many investment strategies. And that with that comes the necessity for verification. So we're seeing this upward trend of companies making public commitments to reduce their overall carbon footprint uh, and develop strategic actions towards the Paris Accord aligned to the, the SDGs. That's all fantastic. So what we're going to see in future is alongside these aspirational targets is this need to remain diligent and transparent around actions and, and disclosure practices. So ESG reporting continues to be more granular, further scrutiny from investors and regulatory bodies, and people want to see proof in the pudding that the ESG assertions are credible. I'd also say a continued evolution in strategic approach, right, and, and an increase again on this business integration side of things. There'll be a move away from this one-size-fits-all approach to sustainable investing with a trend to offer a suite of strategies that are multifaceted and really the intention is to address varied investor goals. You want to be able to demonstrate this flexibility of capital allocation that will ultimately allow for congruency of ESG goal-based investing and ultimately a shift in capital as clients see they have a legitimate choice. And then on business integration, you want to continue embedding ESG as part of the DNA of the business. You don't want it siloed out. Of course, there's going to be a continued focus on climate, large attention on impending regulation, which is coming soon. And this is going to include embedding those considerations into the investment process, aligning with all stakeholders, and making climate positive commitments. Key themes to keep an eye on is beyond just those commitments, how is it linking back to executive compensation? We're going to see more of that. Also, you know, there's a lot of focus on the E of ESG, on the environmental side of things, but the S, the social side of things, is becoming highlighted, which is fantastic. So certainly an increased focus on equity, diversity, and inclusion initiatives and taking that critical eye and, and action to diversify compositions of teams, of boards, et cetera. Well, thanks, Anna. It's obviously a very big issue, and it's, it's obviously one based on our own interaction that I know you're extremely committed to professionally and passionate about. And I know also you've got 
young children. So what are, what are the kind of things that you do with your kids at an early age to try to get them involved in the solutions that things that we can all do as individuals, as you think about their future? Yeah, well, this is one of my favorite questions and arguably one of the most important questions, really, how are we engaging the younger generation? So I have three daughters under nine, and I can say firsthand that the conversation has definitely changed from when I was their age. The focus in our family is about education, active engagement, and keeping an open dialogue. So we encourage our kids to be mindful about their choices and share their perspectives and really reinforce to them that their input and their actions make a difference. For us, we talk about responsible citizenship. And then this active participation beyond just words on social media. And again, this critical value uh, around diversity and inclusion, around collaboration. All of that before bath and bedtime, right? <laughs> Anna, thanks so much for your time. You know, this is obviously such an important issue for us uh, here at SLC Management, but for everybody, every business uh, and every person. So really appreciate your insights. And thanks to everyone for tuning into this episode of 3 and 5. Thanks very much, everyone.